everybody. You are listening to Hotter Than Health, the podcast. This is a podcast focusing on fitness, nutrition, and an overall healthy lifestyle. My name is Eliza Gellman, and I am so happy to have you here with me for today's episode. And I think it was my senior year when I realized, okay, I'm just going to have to live two lives. Hello, hello. That was a quick clip of today's episode. We have Frederico Tanetti on the podcast today. Frederico is a close friend of mine from Charleston, and he has come on the podcast and he's told us his entire story, and I cannot wait for you all to experience this. So to give a bit of background, Frederico is the director of personal training at Hilo Fitness in Charleston. So make sure to go check them out. We met a few years ago and to me, he just screams confidence, charisma, and he is unabashedly himself. And to me, that's all I ever knew. That's all I ever saw. And when he mentioned that he had never really told his story to anyone except for his current boyfriend and I don't even think anybody else we had to get it out there and I'm telling you if there's anyone in publishing who (laughs) listens to this podcast you're gonna want to write a book um so Frederico has kind of gone his whole life um cultivating experiences and stories and learning lessons And we get into that all on the episode. So I wanted to put this out there before the episode aired um, because I do think that it is in the best interest to just let people know there is some different kind of language that we use in the podcast today. And we do reference a lot of sex, a lot of drugs, a lot of um, identity shifts and a lot of, you know, things that may potentially trigger if you have... Um, dealt with addiction or if you're going through something traumatic, um, you know, I just want to put it out there that I hope that we can all hear this story and just listen intently and with compassion and with genuine interest. And that's really all that this world needs is just compassion and patience and letting people be who they are. And I think that that's something that we can all take away from this episode is that you just have to be who you are. And I know it's so much easier said than done sometimes, as we will hear in this episode, but Frederico does a really fantastic job of framing exactly what he was going through. I feel like I was there with him. Uh, This was my first time hearing this full story as well, which I think was super important because I wanted to feel like I was there with you guys. And that's exactly what happened. Um, Quick mention, this is going to be a part one and a part two episode you do not want to miss either. I knew that this story deserved more attention than just one episode. So we are making this uh, a two-part episode, the beginning, middle and end. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not even going to say anything because you guys just need to hear it. But going into it, just know that there will be a part two to follow up all of these amazing stories. And part two, I have to say, is even more even more impactful than part one, if that's even possible. We go everywhere, like I said, talking about sex, talking about um, growing up in with a secret, and it's a really beautiful story. So that's all I'm going to say about that. We will get into today's episode in just a moment. I also want to mention in the show notes, we are going to make sure we post some resources, especially for the LGBTQ plus community. We're going to have resources on how to support, how to be an advocate, and um, where to show your support. In episode two, we're also going to talk about some companies that we really support and that we really care about. Um, And Frederico has shed some light on different ways that we can support and be advocates as well. So that's all to say that I appreciate all of you listening. Make sure that you guys rate and support and share this episode, especially being Pride Month. I want to make sure that as many people hear this episode as possible because this is a story that will affect so many, um, not just about coming out, but about 
compassion and about not judging a book by its cover and understanding that everyone has a story and to be just genuinely and authentically yourself is so, so important. Um, And before we get into today's episode, I must mention, if you are interested in nutrition counseling, personalized nutrition counseling, I am still here for you and I am still running that business. So if you are interested in a little bit of coaching, then for sure reach out to me at any point, then we can see if it's a good fit to work together. If it is, fantastic. If it's not, no biggie. But either way, the booking is in the show notes. Click on info. And if you're listening anywhere, just click on the link and it will take you directly to these resources, to my booking, and to the monthly meal plans that I have via subscription base on my website. So without further ado, let's give a warm welcome to today's guest, Frederico. We are so thrilled to have you. I hope you all enjoy this episode. Please rate us five stars on iTunes or anywhere you are listening to this podcast. Let me know what you think. Take a quick screenshot, tag Frederico and myself in the podcast at Hotter Than Health podcast on Instagram. Let's get into it. I'm just so happy that you <laughs> cleared your afternoon for this. Yeah, no, I'm super excited to be here. I'm like listening to your podcast and I'm so excited that you asked me to be on it. <laughs> I couldn't think, I actually was a little nervous to ask you to be on it <laughs> because you have a, a flourishing social life. You are busy as hell. You're constantly moving and also I don't want anyone to feel like they they need to educate people you know it's our job to educate ourselves on anything that's going on in the world but it's thank you for being here yeah of course and you know but when you say that I think it is our duty to educate people on our story especially if it's different from the norm because how do you expect people to know the right way to deal with it if nobody's told you that the way you've been doing it isn't quite the way you would want it to be done, you know? Um, or vice versa, like tell you, Hey, no, that's exactly what you should ask or what you should do. Mm -hmm. And I just don't want to be tone deaf and ask dumb questions or, and this would be in any, in any conversation, you know, I never want to show up to the table just taking, 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 you know, what can I provide for you? So I was like, Hey, here's a mic. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and no, it's like, you're not going to be tone deaf. I mean, I think if anybody listens to this, the less PC person in this podcast is for sure going to be me. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) The thing is, is I try and just be as graceful as possible. And I think that the, I think that it's a huge win that we can even have a conversation like this today. And also I think it's huge that not only are you a great storyteller, but it's your story. You know, it's it's something that you mentioned you hadn't even yeah. told anyone really before. I mean, the only person that really knows all of it is my boyfriend, Pierce. You know, and that's just because we're so open with each other about everything. Maybe too open sometimes, you know. Um, but it was like, I never thought I was going to get the opportunity to tell it. Have you ever wanted, have you ever thought, I, I feel like this person would understand me so much better if I could just say this, give them the the whole story. I always thought it would be like a really good, like nineties teen drama, you know, like, (laughs) um, like a crazier version of like mean girls or clueless or yeah, 90210, but a movie, um, I'm trying to think about this movie that James Vanderbeek was in. Oh God. And it was like one of those movies like that Dawson's Creek did not want him to be in because it was going to ruin his image as such a sweet boy. And it's such a good movie and I can't think about it, but once I do, I'll send it to you. It's like everyone thinks of, thinks of you in a certain way. And then all of a sudden you're like cruel intentions vibes. Yes, exactly. And then there it is. Okay. I see what you're saying, but And honestly, it could be. I mean, we were talking about this. And before we get too into this, introduce yourself and who are you? Um, So my name is Frederico. I guess I identify the most as Brazilian, gay, and a Britney Spears enthusiast. (laughs) (laughs) But also, those are just, I mean, those are three pillars, definitely. You are so multifaceted, so talented. You... And we're going to get into all of that, but I just think that we should 
put out there before anyone listens any further that you are one of the most impressive humans that I have ever met. And I was so intimidated by you when I first met you. I was like, ah, because you're so secure in yourself and who you are. And to me, that screams, I've been like this my entire life. And it's couldn't be further from the truth. It's, you know, I'm 36 years old and I think I've been like this for maybe three years. Um, not that it was such a different person that people that knew me before would say that I've changed, but I definitely think I went from like a regular Doritos to like a blast Dorito, you know, <laughs> like flaming hot Cheetos. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so Frederico, y'all, it's Frederico, not Freddie, just, <laughs> by the way. Um, you, you live in Charleston, so a yep. lot of people listening to the podcast live in Charleston, so it'll be nice for them to, pretty eye-opening for them to get the full Frederico story. So tell us a little bit about your childhood, how you grew up, where, and what that dynamic was like. Yeah. So I was born in Brazil. When I was five, we moved to the U.S., but my dad had been here for 18 months. So for 18 months, my mom, my sister, and I were in Brazil. My dad was here. This is back in 89, so no FaceTime, no internet. Um, they talked every Sunday at like a, the same time every week, and they never missed a call. That's um, so romantic. Right? I know. I'm like, oh, people just don't do things like that anymore. <laughs> and then we moved here, and I guess that's like kind of a really good place to start the story. So I moved here when I was five and uh, you know, I'm a firm believer that nobody's born with any prejudice and uh, using my own story as an example, I didn't know being gay was wrong until I experienced like, no, don't do that for the first time. And one of my friends was over and I was curious to see if his penis looked like mine. And we were probably like six years old and I told him to show me his and he did and I showed him mine and that was it. I and, feel like it's that easy now. Right. <laughs> Let's be honest. Yeah. A couple of martinis and you're like, hey. Exactly. Maybe a four right? loco. <laughs> but he told his mom. And so his mom told my parents, obviously, and my parents sat me down and was like, hey, don't do that. Didn't tell me why, you know, um, but just that was the first time that being gay was wrong, you know? So, and at that point you're six, you're just exploratory. Yeah. It means nothing. It's not a sexual thing. It's really just a learning thing. Exactly. You know, it, it and it wasn't a sexual thing at all. It just, you know, I've always been curious. Um, so it, it was just that. And then, so growing up, it was one of those things, like I kind of knew that I found men attractive, but I also found women attractive. And, you know, my dad would tell me he thought I was handsome. My uncles did, you know, so I was like, oh, well, everybody just finds everybody attractive. So again, never thought it was weird. And then sometime like third, fourth, fifth grade is probably the first time I heard the word faggot, you know? And again, I was like, that gives what? me goosebumps. I feel like, you know, you don't hear that word. Yeah. And um, I know that that is a word that like really hurts a lot of people when they hear it. Mm-hmm. I think it's really funny, but like, you know me, I'm not really offended by anything. Um, and that's probably too when like the first time I started to get picked on for maybe liking things that girls liked. I always liked music. I liked dancing. Um, I had a sister, so I always played with Barbies with her, but, you know, because we were really close, I thought all brothers did that. We're just playing together. It means nothing that these are with Barbies. Right. You know, I just never thought like, oh, it's a girl toy. Were your parents giving you trucks and, you know, dinosaurs and things that are quintessential boy items when you were little? Oh yeah, for sure. You know, everything in my room was blue. Everything in my sister's room was pink and purple. Um, You know, it was very much like boy, girl, boy, girl. But my dad worked a lot. He's a chef. Um, and my mom sort of raised us on our own. And she was the kind of mom that like the house was always impeccably clean. She 
probably cooked two or three meals a day. Um, she worked as well. Um, so she was busy. So like she had no problems with us, like being in a room playing together. That was just meant like we were not getting into trouble or in her hair. I feel like you adopt a lot of your mom into your lifestyle. You are go, 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 but it just works. Yeah. That's, you wouldn't have it any other way. It seems. Exactly. You, You know, I'm really smart with my time. Um, so I think like I schedule free time throughout the day for myself because I can't really go, 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 go. But it seems like I am because I'm constantly like in and out. But when I'm out, that's like an hour of peace. Like I just go home. I chill with my dog. You know, my- you really are good about that. You're blocking your time and you are go, go, go. That's why whenever you talk to me at the gym, I'm like, oh, my God. Wow. <laughs> so nice. <laughs> yeah. And my mom is not like that, though. She just goes, goes, goes. Like now she's older and she's like very good about her free time, but she wasn't like that when we were younger. But so, you know, like, so back to it, like we're playing Barbies, we're playing with whatever, no big deal. But then, you know, like late elementary, early middle school, you sort of start like going one way or another. And I started doing Taekwondo and because I wanted to be a power ranger basically. So I did Taekwondo and gymnastics did gymnastics for, I think, two lessons, and I was the only boy, so I was like, no, I can't do that. That's a girl thing. Taekwondo class was the opposite. For every, like, one girl, there was, like, ten boys, so I was like, oh, this is a boy thing to do, so I can do this. Did you, do you remember having those thoughts in gymnastics, thinking, I shouldn't be here, or what were, do you remember that? No, it wasn't so much I shouldn't be here. It was one of those things, like, um, it's okay like that this is a girl thing like it you know like this isn't what boys do it's Got okay it. you know like it's whatever um but I like always found gymnastics really fascinating because I've always been drawn to people who are fit you know like before I ever thought about being in the fitness industry um it always was something that I like paid close attention to uh, which is I think weird for a kid but maybe not but I well, was, it's usually people aren't as, I feel like kids are more into like team sports. They're not going to watch an Olympic swimmer as often as they're going to watch maybe a big soccer game. I feel like an individual right. watching their body like change, shape, mold, and it's a beautiful sport. It's yeah. beautiful. Yeah, exactly. And they're so strong and it was just cool. And I really thought I was going to grow up and be a power ranger, not like on TV, like Zordon or whatever was going to come down from wherever galaxy he lived on and pick me to be a power ranger if I trained really hard in taekwondo and gymnastics oh sweetie he'll be here (laughs) someday (laughs) um so then I started like around that time I started really paying attention to like masculine and feminine things and really tried hard to be like as masculine as possible and I knew that I like boys, but it was like one of those things. I was like, that's okay. I'm like girls too. So I'll just get married to a girl and have kids. Cause that's what I'm supposed to do. And then the internet comes around. So yes, this is all before the internet, <laughs> believe it or not. Asked me when I was 12, like, what do you guys do? I'm like, make out a lot. I don't yeah. know. I'd rub each other. Yeah. Yeah. I have no idea. You're right. You know, I mean, like I'd seen, a girl give a dude a blowjob. So I figured two dudes did that, you know, like that. True. So I watched it and I was like, Oh, this is my jam. <laughs> like, this is what I'm into. And you know, at this point I'm 13, 14. My sister clearly isn't watching gay porn. My parents <laughs> don't know how to use the internet. Um, so I'm pretty safe. And I, and I think history hadn't been, like, you know, like now that there's a history, I don't think that had been invented yet. It's every time it's like clear cookies. Right. Clear cookies. Yeah. Yeah. And then all of a sudden the history thing started to happen. And I was like, okay, now I need to like be more careful because I can't leave that stuff on. So I would clear the internet browser like after every use, even if I didn't watch porn, I would clear it just so I was always in the habit of right before you log off AOL. You clear what you just did. Oh, yeah. The dial-up for sure. And there's one family computer. One family computer in the living room, you know. um, Would you do that when your parents were, I guess, gone? I feel like it'd be rare to get anyone out of the house. um, At that point, it wasn't because my sister was doing cheerleading, you know. Both my parents worked. 
So every once in a while, there would be like a nice window or like. <laughs> Crack I, your knuckles and lay yeah, back. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Or, you know, I would wait for them to go to sleep. You know, some whatever. Like, yeah. you're a 14-year-old boy. You're going to find a way to masturbate. Like, they're like, and you get so good at it. It's like, it's so fat. Like, I could do it in like 30 seconds. Like, I didn't need like 10 minutes to get the job done. Like, I just needed like. Literally beat it, then beat it. <laughs> yeah, just exactly. Done. And especially at that point, like, I really didn't want to be gay. Like, because at that point, I grew up in. Southwest Virginia, going to a Southern Baptist church, you know, um, and Brazilian culture is very open and very sexual, but they're not gay friendly whatsoever, um, which is shocking to most people. I just saw your face. My eyes just got big. I didn't realize that. Yeah. Um, because like you think Brazil, you think like string bikinis and everybody's beautiful bodies and it's okay as long as it's hetero, you know? Interesting. Yeah. Is that... Is that progressive? Has it gotten progressive at all? Do you feel? Yes. Um, but the current president is really bad um, when it comes to LBGTQ plus anything. And he says things like faggot on national TV. <gasps> You're you know, kidding. Not wow. at all. So things that actually in Brazil have gotten worse, um, I think, since he's taken over. Wow. Um, and... It's funny, you know, I've got a whole blacklist of companies I don't spend my money at because they're not LGBTQ friendly. We're going to get into that. Which we will, yeah. Um, So I told my parents, as long as he's president, I'm not going to go to Brazil. I'm not going to spend my money there either. So until Bolsonaro is out, I can't go in. (laughs) Please don't listen to this podcast. Like, I don't need anyone coming to my door. But also, (laughs) listen to this podcast. Yeah, come to my door. I'll talk to you. Yeah, fuck that. We'll rally. Uh, so can I ask a question about, so you said going back, you grew up in Roanoke, Virginia, which yep. is small town, yeah. very conservative in a way, I feel like, um, just from my experience of it. What were your experiences of being around guys? Were you flirting with guys? Were you making out with girls? Were you dating girls? Were you, you know, what was your lifestyle like when you started to realize like, Hey, okay, I like guys, but that's wrong. Were you overcompensating even as a young kid by hanging out with girls a lot? Yes. Yes. Um, I was always like talking about boobs and, you know, I had like posters of like all the girls that were famous at the time all over my room. And Um, I was dating any girl that I possibly could, you know, and at this point, like I hadn't hit puberty yet. So I was like a five, two and like a chubby little thing. And like my teeth were too big for my face. It's like a little wet noodle walking around. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, and then six, I turned 16 and I went from like five, two to like five, nine. And I just stretched out And all of a sudden, I started to get more confident in the way that I looked. Um, Girls started paying more attention to me. So, like, the guy thing was kind of, like, on the back burner a little bit. Never went away, but it was. And then I started working at a gym. And this gym had huge locker rooms. And it had a sauna and a steam room and a, like whirlpool and like naked men everywhere. And I was, had to go in there every hour to clean. And it was just like, it was like probably the most amount of naked men I'd ever seen in my entire life. And I was just like, holy shit. And I was 17 years old. And one day it was a Saturday afternoon. And there was literally four people in this like 40,000 square foot gym. It was huge. And like, but and everybody else that was there worked there. And I had to go do like my cleaning duties. And this dude, we became friends later on in life. So I know now that he was 28 and I was 17. <laughs> and Don't we, use his name, but let's call him Paul. Yeah. So Paul and I keep making eye contact. And I went back to like go clean something and he was shirtless. And I was like, oh, wow. Like six pack, beautiful body. 
like super tan, like like 1999 tan, you know, where they're like orange, orange yep. which is totally the look then. So very hot. And then I went back and then I had to come back for something else. And then he was naked. I was like, oh my God. And then I left because I got uncomfortable and I was like, wait, no, I want to see him naked one more time. So I come back and then he is has a hard on and he is jacking off. And I'm just like, what? Alone in the locker room? Alone in the locker room. Like he's the, we're the only two people in there. Did he start as soon as you walked in? What if you had been somebody else? Um, no, I guess, um, this locker room was huge. So like, it wasn't like I was leaving the locker room. I was just leaving the area he was in. And then I was just kind of like, it's, I'm going to do this now or never. So then I gave him a blow job on the clock at work. <laughs> Cock on the clock. Like, I love right? it. Oh my God. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. And that was my first gay sexual experience. It's exactly like what porn movies are made of, you know? You're like, this is what I've been practicing <laughs> for. Damn, Paul. Um, And it's funny. I'm like years later, like I think five, 10 years later, we ran into each other out in downtown Roanoke and we were talking about that experience and he was like, how old were you then? And I was like, uh, 17. And he was like, but you told me you were 19. I was like, yeah, of course. Cause I didn't want you to <laughs> like stop. Wait. So did you, I mean, I have to know more about this. So you gave him a BJ in the locker room. Did you like fist bump and then leave or did you like ba- get basically, a business card? Yeah. Basically it was like a fist bump and then leave. And then I literally didn't see him for like another like five years. Like I said, until I ran into him downtown. Even at the gym. Did you, were you like, I have to quit? I didn't quit. I just, we never ran into each other again. I mean, like I said, this was a huge gym. They probably had like every person in Roanoke went there at the time. There wasn't good gym competition in Roanoke. Now there is, now there's gems everywhere, but at this point there just wasn't. So interesting. Okay. So that was your first. That was my first. And here's, and it was also my senior homecoming and I went to homecoming that night and while slow dancing with the girl that I asked, all I could think about was Paul. (laughs) (laughs) Paul and his hammer. And I was like, Oh my gosh. And like, it was awkward but also amazing all at the same time so what were your thoughts then were you like yep for sure I'm gay like were you just kind of no oh yeah still no still this is kind of like I've never been somebody that like likes to follow rules even as a small kid like if you told me I couldn't do it I would do it anyway so I was just like oh this is just another rule that I like to break I'm still gonna marry a a woman I'm gonna have two kids white picket fence you know because the bible told me so (laughs) (laughs) You know, then I started to like sort of pick up on how some guys would look at me in a different way than a straight guy would. So it was like almost like you could like a gaydar, really. Like I started to pick up on um, who was gay and who was not. And then I started like just secretly hooking up all the time. What's all the time? Um, I mean, definitely at least once a week, Okay, you know, and like, uh, would you like pass a note where if there was no texting, I guess, I guess there was at this point. No, uh, n- uh, no cell phones. Still. Oh, yep, I didn't get a cell phone until I guess. No, we got a family cell phone my senior year of high school and whoever was leaving the house and was going to be gone the longest got to take the phone. Um, but no texting still. Um, Kristen, my best friend, and I say we invented texting our <laughs> freshman year of college because we were the only two people that had it. Because Suncom at the time was giving you a deal for three months of free texting if you signed up. And oh we were God. the only two that had it. So we invented it. Y'all are welcome. <laughs> <laughs> then it was like probably once a week-ish. Um, With guys from your hometown? Or- yeah. You know, and I met a lot of them at the gym. Um and then we would like hook up in their car at their apartment. I've always been in, it's funny, I date a guy, a man who's seven years younger than I am. But before the, him, I was always into somebody older. I've always been attracted to men in like their 30s and 40s for some reason. Love it. Um, so I did a lot of that. But it's still, again, dating a bunch of girls, like I had to keep that act on. And I think it was my senior year when I realized, okay, 
I'm just going to have to live two lives. Um, and I'm just going to have to live one life for what everybody expects me to be. And then just do my own thing whenever I want. And it became really easy to do. And, and at first it was kind of fun. It was thrilling. And it was like, just like, there was like always a danger aspect to it. Like, well, what if we get caught and it made it hotter, you know? And then like, and you know that it's temporary with this person. So it could be extra hot. You know, you could be completely vulnerable and just balls to the wall hot with them for one session. And yeah. then, you know, you're probably not going to be in a relationship with them. So why not just whatever? Right. And I think like the thing that we don't do our youth justice is like, I didn't know anything about gay sex except from what I had seen in porn. Um, like no romance. Yeah. Porn. No romance. Um, definitely was not wearing condoms because condoms was just to prevent pregnancy. Well, I knew that wasn't a possibility. So STDs weren't really a thing that I thought about except then when I had sex with a man for the first time and they asked me if I knew if I was HIV negative or positive after the fact, after the no sex condom or no condom sex. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I never once thought about it. And was this, HIV even a conversation? Was it something that you thought about in your head ever? Or like, I mean, besides waterfalls from TLC, you yeah. know, it was, that's about the only exposure to it I've really ever had. And so it just wasn't a big deal. But the thing is, it was a big deal back then. There were like thousands of people still even today dying from a, being HIV positive. Mm -hmm. And now, I mean, like we're worlds ahead of where we were then. People are was, living with it and living normal lives. And, and now they have prep that you can get prescribed from a doctor and you take it like women take birth control that keep you from getting the disease. It. You know, it's oh. like it, HIV now is like the least of my worries you know, what would you compare it to? Okay. So for someone, I, I also haven't had those thoughts. I haven't thought, Oh shit, should I like, am I, do I need to worry about this? What would you compare it to for someone like a girl? I mean, obviously you could still get it, but it's, what would you compare it to nowadays? Um, I mean like COVID, I mean, were people as not, worried about not it? Not COVID maybe like back then I would compare it to like the worst cancer you can have. It was a death sentence. Like that just people were starting to live healthier right around the time that I was like coming into it all. Um, but it was still like a very scary deal and we'll get there. Um, and so at this point I'm hooking up with all these guys, but still no sex. So now comes the first time I decide to have sex and without any knowledge, except from what I know in porn movies, I'm going to bottom for the first time, which I do not recommend I was gonna for ask anybody you. to do anal sex without researching it first. If you're going to be the one taking the penis. <laughs> um, I'm literally clenching right now because it's just <laughs> like, there needs to be so much prep work. Yes. And conversation. <laughs> yes. And, once again, you know, in typical Fred fashion, I'm not just going to do it like the normal way. It's going to be the most spectacular story you've ever heard. And here we go. So I'm working at Abercrombie at this time, you know, like I've gotten fit. I'm, you know, one of the pretty boys and wearing my, your low rise jeans. I mean, the, the lowest I could get. In fact, I would love for low rise bootcut jeans to come back and style. They were comfortable get out of my house. and sexy. <laughs> Britney Spears and I will keep that trend alive forever. It's like <laughs> tying up the crotch. <laughs> yeah. So it's my manager's last day. We have always had this weird sexual chemistry, but kind of all the boys there, especially the straight boys for some reason did. Um, and we always joked about it. So it never really dawned on me. And he was like, hey, once everybody leaves, you should stick around. We should hang out. And I'm like starting to pick up what he means. And I'm like, oh, okay. 
So everybody leaves. It's his last day working at the store. And uh, Are you single at this time? I don't know. Probably not. I'm probably okay. dating, you know. Some hot chick at school. A- exactly. But every th- I always like three months was like my sweet spot. Like I only ever dated people for like three months and then it was like on to the next. Um, because that's like, I feel like it would start to get serious. I was like, ugh, can't. Um, so, you know, we start hooking up and he's like, can we have sex? And I tell him, you know, like I've never done that before. And of course, like at that age, I feel like people say that all the time and it's not true, but it was. And I hadn't even had sex. No, I had, I had had sex with a woman already at that point. Yeah. I lost my straight virginity first, gay virginity second. (laughs) Um, and I'm like, sure, let's try it out. And we do it in the middle of Abercrombie on the couches after the store closes. Like once again, another like big gay fantasy of every like boy that grew up during that era. But you were a bottom. I did that time. You know, I, I didn't know what I was, but yeah. I, I bottomed for the first time and it felt great. But I remember after it was done and we left and we got in the car and I drove home and I drove home crying the entire time. And I was like, I'm never doing that again. Not because it hurt, not because I didn't enjoy it, but all of a sudden that was the least manliest I ever felt in my entire life. So much shame. And I was like, what are my parents going to think if they know that I just let a penis go in my butt? <laughs> you know? Like what were your thoughts? I, I don't know what to compare it to. And I, but it was almost like, I wasn't forced to do it by any means. I enjoyed every second of it, like I said. But it was like as soon as like the high wore off, it's what I imagine maybe addicts feel like, you know? Like they don't want to do whatever they're addicted to or maybe they do. I, I don't know because I'm not an addict so I can't like speak for them. But if just hearing addict stories, it was like I was addicted two men and I did not want to be, and I did not know how to like stop it. So then I decided at that point, I'm not gonna hook up with guys anymore. And I probably got the fittest I've ever been for a long time up until, um, right when I like moved to Charleston. But anyway, so got the fittest I've ever been. I just poured my heart and soul into Taekwondo and the gym. Um, and then started, I was always like into partying. Like I think we talked about it. Like when I was seven years old, I knew I wanted to go to clubs. When I was seven, I knew I wanted to try Coke. When I was seven, I knew I wanted to smoke cigarettes. You I were knew, like, like, when I was seven, I knew I wanted to be 21 and I knew I wanted to have sex. <laughs> yes, exactly. I knew all those things. I watched it in movies Hollywood glamorizes all that stuff and I loved it and knew that that was going to be for me. So I, so I start partying a lot and then I go to Brazil for the first time by myself, no parents, no sister. And I'm 19 and I can just go buck wild and I'm still not hooking up with guys. Like, are you hooking up with girls? Yeah. Like left and right, left and right two a day, three a day, I mean, whatever, like, I mean, it was batshit crazy. Do you think that anybody during this time would have said, um, yeah, I think Frederico's gay. You oh, know, yeah. He'll come out. Okay. And, and it was like, anytime I heard that murmur, I would have to go do something like super straight, you know? Like what? Um, I don't know. It was just like, act like what? I thought a straight boy would act like, which is like the worst version of a fraternity frat star that I could be, I was. And anybody that knew me at that time that still likes me, you guys are like angels. Those of you that don't like me, I don't blame you. <laughs> I wouldn't like me either. Um, and I was just crazy and drinking a lot. And so I go to Brazil for the first time by myself and the partying that summer was out. I was there for six weeks. Um, again, no job and just got to do whatever I wanted. And I 
blacked out, I think, almost every single day for those six weeks. And I had smoked weed before, but not like this. Had never tried Coke and then was doing Coke every night too. And uh, came back and went to Radford University. And it was probably the most fun four years, but probably one of the most um, dangerous four years of my life. Because that just took everything, all the bad habits I just picked up in those six weeks of vacation in Brazil. I now get to do that all the time because I'm away from home. My sister goes to Radford, but I mean, I'm not going to listen to my little sister. She's yeah. 18 at this point and I'm 19, <laughs> much older, much wiser, you know. <laughs> I'm your superior. Sit down, girl. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> And immediately I'm like, I'm going to join a fraternity and I'm going to be the social king of this campus. And that's exactly what I did. And what was the cost that I paid for it? I stopped working out, but I was still young enough to where I could keep a cute body. Um, I stopped going to classes. So my first semester at Radford, I got a 0.75 GPA and they politely asked me not to come back. Um, (laughs) School is for fools. (laughs) Yeah. That literally, I I would go to class and I would sign in and then I would leave and I would like go see who was partying during the day because Radford was a big party school. Somebody was always drinking. So you would just like go to the bar. What were your parents thinking? Like, what were you saying to them? Because obviously they saw grades. Like, if I don't know if they were paying for it or. Um, but. they helped pay for some stuff, but like I got grants and loans, and um, and they weren't saying too much because again, I'd gotten really good at painting the picture that I wanted other people to see, and unless you were sober and I was blacked out drunk you never really saw the true cracks if you would see me out and you were drinking as well you would see like things alter but it was so easy to like spin it the next day because everybody had a fuzzy memory from the night before and I didn't talk to my parents a lot I avoided their calls um you know when I did call them I would usually like get in the car drive somewhere sit in like complete silence and just tell them the things that they wanted to hear. Yeah. And, but then when I got kicked out of school, I drove, I remember I was at home and we, this was like the first time that you got grades online and not mailed. So I got my grades online and I see that and it says suspended in bright red letters at the bottom. So I called them and I'm like, hey, I need a meeting. I need to figure out what I can do to get back in. Because being suspended meant I couldn't go back. And I was living in a dorm at the time. So if I couldn't go back, how was I going to keep this facade that I had built for my parents? They don't know that anything's wrong. And this is all like completely having to do with like once I got to Radford, I couldn't keep the – gayness out if you will Mm -hmm. you know I was drinking way too much to like there was always a certain tipping point that like then like the urge to like hook up with guys was too much so I was sneaking guys in and out of my dorm room so you were back hooking up with guys yes um and my and this adamforadam.com pre-grinder was a thing so you would log on to your computer it was just like what grinder is now and you could like talk to people and, you know, like I just had like a picture of my torso from the neck, which by the way, meant that on a digital camera, I took a picture. <laughs> Probably in your dirty mirror with yeah. like a toothpaste spit on it. Right. <laughs> Uploaded it onto my computer. With your USB cord. Yeah. And then like put it on, you know. So, so just, it's no head, no face in it? No face. I didn't have any tattoos at the time. But no penis. It was just no, like no, you to the V cut. Yeah. You can't post nudes as your profile picture on most dating apps boring i know i think so can you too. imagine i mean it's like i just want to get to the chase because like under seven inches and eh, sorry <laughs> it's got to be seven inches soft let's yeah, be honest right <laughs> um so you know doing a lot of like crazy 
stuff like <laughs> so I'm quick gonna take pause a sip. quick pause so you guys for the past few weeks i have been drinking this incredible mushroom superfood elixir and it is called Tionin. I love it. Frederico is drinking it right now. As you can tell by his voice, he just has the most <laughs> like dirty, rugged man of a voice. And he needed some turmeric, anti-inflammatory honey tea. And so we made this instant beverage. It's called Tionin. I am obsessed with it. So basically what it is, it's an instant mixed beverage. I've been using the matcha every single morning, tons of antioxidants, but what's great about it is that they have functional mushrooms. So things like reishi, things like ashwagandha and all these amazing other things. But what I also really love about it is that it's sugar free. So USDA organic, sugar free. Frederico and I were just talking about this and we both are trying to reduce our caffeine a little bit. So drinking more matcha, which only has like 40 grams of caffeine, whereas an average cup of coffee has around 60 I'm sorry 100 so trying to minimize and do what we can um, really cleanse the adrenals right there so if you do want to check it out make sure you guys try the matcha and the turmeric it's amazing Frederico will tell you but it's also got probiotics by the way it's like you're taking a little multivitamin in the morning so if you're shitty at remembering to take your supplements this is for you do every morning do every night but it's Tionan. You can go to T-E-O-N-A-N.com and use H-T-H at checkout for 15% off of your first order. Again, it's T-E-O-N-A-N for 15% off. Use H-T-H for 15% off at checkout. All right. So let's get back to the conversation. And it's so good. It really is. It's amazing. Isn't it good? And it's like yeah. super quick. Comes in that pouch. But the pouch is yeah. going to last you a month. That's awesome. It's going to last you a month. So – now I'm at school and I'm trying to beg them to let me back in. First off, I don't want to tell my parents that I got kicked out. Second off, going back home means more restrictions, less partying, less boys. And right now, like, and, and honestly, I also was like really enjoying hooking up with women at the time. Like it was just like, I didn't lose my virginity until I was 18 and I was already in college. So I didn't like do that whole like sneaking around in high school I mean, I guess I did. It was just, it was different than what all my straight counterparts had experienced. So I was kind of getting to experience that. And so anyway, so it was just like all the things that I was enjoying doing, it was now no. So I go to school and I beg them to let me back in. They don't not have to go back home. So at this point, I'm like, all right, I need to refocus. And for a semester, I partied a little bit less, studied really hard, made all A's and B's that semester. Wait, so you did go back? I had to. So had you missed to a semester? Missed a semester and went back to community college at home. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah. So studied hard, worked out hard, and, you know, got back in. And then the next two years of my life are a complete blur. Um, because then I start doing at least a gram of coke a day and that is like on the low end probably like way more than that and two of my really good friends were dating the drug dealers so we were getting free coke on top of that um and everybody in our social group and the fraternities and sororities started doing it so everybody constantly had it at this point so it was everywhere and that's when I really learned how to control when I could be gay and when I couldn't. And because I could drink enough to like get my inhibitions down. And then when it got too low, I would just do some Coke so that I could like quote unquote sober up, Mm -hmm. you know? And then the hooking up with girls and guys just got completely out of control and if I only slept with two people a day that was like a small number really so would you like how how would that work you were in a dorm or were you in an apartment I wasn't in a dorm at that point I was in a house with a bunch of fraternity boys surrounded by fraternity boys on both sides sorority girls on both sides and in front of me I mean like it was just again a lot of fun, but just destructive, you know? Were it, you hooking up with fraternity guys in your fraternity? 
Yes, and in other fraternities. And uh, and they I'm, were saying that they were straight as well. Yeah, and a lot of those guys, I do believe, you know, I don't think it's like black or white. I think it's a spectrum. And mm-hmm. a lot of those guys are married and have kids now and probably haven't hooked up with another guy since. Maybe they hooked up with a lot of guys and realized it wasn't for them. You know, like, but whatever it was, like, I always found a way. You know, it was always readily available and sometimes like it would be easy to hook up during the day because everybody would be at class or you know every like 10 11 12 o'clock at night was always a good time to hook up because everybody was still out partying and wasn't coming home so I got really good at working the system and then I got really cocky about it and that's when things started picture that I had painted for everybody started to like not be so a little bit yeah exactly and uh, I feel like that's like a pivotal moment for whether it's addiction whether it's someone trying to cover something up there's always that moment where you're too confident that things begin to slip yeah it's a slippery slope there's like such a fine line exactly um and my big mess up was I hooked up with this, these two guys, we had a threesome. One was also in the closet and the other one was not at all, was very like out and everybody knew it. And I think it was like a week or two later, I wake up to all these text messages and it was like, oh my God, are you HIV positive? And that was today's guest, Frederico. That was part one of his episode. Like I said, and now I know you understand this episode deserves two parts. So make sure you tune in next Thursday so that you can hear the rest of this beautiful story. So make sure to share this episode, take a quick screenshot, share it on your social media tag at Hotter Than Health Podcast, as well as Frederico and myself, Eliza Gelman, your host. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure you are subscribed to the podcast. That is the best way to support as well as to not miss out on any episodes. Also, all of the links we talked about in the beginning of the episode to support the LGBTQ plus community and to support the podcast are in the show notes. So we look forward to hearing from you all about how you liked the podcast and we will talk to you next week.